Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast. Today, I'm really excited to get a chance to talk with one of our keynote speakers for the upcoming CEO Summit in Austin, Texas, March 26th through the 29th. This is a, 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 an opportunity to, um, to hear from Jamie Nodder, who is going to be our guest presenter on Monday, March the 27th at the CEO Summit. A little bit about Jamie, uh, if you haven't heard his name yet, uh, he is an accomplished speaker, an author, and consultant uh, with a deep expertise in workplace culture, generations, and growth. Jamie helps leaders unleash the human potential inside their organizations by turning their workplace culture into a tangible business tool that drives growth. I love it. So we'll get right into things. So thank you so much, Jamie, for joining us today. Uh, The theme of this year's CEO Summit is celebrating innovation. And we are excited that you have specialized in this in a lot of your work. Um, And the reason we chose this is because the past few years have seen unprecedented workplace changes, right? (laughs) And some organizations have thrived and seemingly through continued focus on innovation and culture. So how important do you think innovation and culture are for leaders now and in the near future? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think innovation is super important. I have for a long time. Um, you know, there's a caveat that says not everyone needs the same level of innovation. Uh, some organizations should should be more innovative than others. I joke all the time, if you're a nuclear power plant, maybe I don't want a lot of experimenting and, you know, uh, hacking things, right? So some some places are going to be what less. What does this pre- button do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's just turn the knob this way today and see what happens. I don't think so. So, um, so but with that caveat, most organizations probably need more innovation than 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 they have, um, simply because you know it's it's cliche now, but the pace of change is so fast, right? And if you're only doing things you know how to do, then you're continuously falling behind. Right. Like you got to like my definition of innovation is change that unlocks new value. You're getting at something that you can't get at using today's rules. Right. Um, and so not everything you do has to be in that category. But if you're not doing some of that, you, you just can't keep up these days. You know, um, so it, it's uh, I, I put it in the category of an imperative for organizations today to at least do some of it. Very good. Yeah, I love that definition. So what uh, were what are some of the tools or actions that you would suggest right off the bat for leaders to develop this culture that's resilient and embraces innovation and change that doesn't always come easily to everybody? Well, I mean, like step number one, because this is a real danger with, with innovation, is people tend to obsess over the idea of it, right? And they think, oh, we need a culture of innovation. So we need to put innovation posters on the wall and we need to talk about innovation. We need to, you know, let people be creative in their job. Like you need to do all that. That's fine. Um, but what we're, what we sort of the next step we don't take is, is the practices of innovation. Like you have to create some containers within which people can run experiments. Like they're going to try something and it's not going to work. <laughs> right. Like if people say, Oh, we need innovation. I'm like, okay. So every now and then you're going to do something that's going to fail. Like, Oh no, 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 we can't fail. 
you know, our stakeholders won't permit that. I'm like, well, then you're not going to have innovation. So the practices need more uh, protection, right? We need to create processes that, that let people do this and actually, in some cases, kind of force them to. Um, so that's number one. And number two, that doesn't get as much attention. And you know, my original background is in the field of conflict resolution. So maybe this is a, uh, a bias of mine, but you'd better build a culture where people can have conflict. The, in, in our assessment, the number one correlation between any of our two questions is the one about conflict and the one about change, right? Like you can't do change without having some people disagree. And if you don't do the disagreement well, then people avoid it. And then the change doesn't happen. So I, people, I, I don't know, it doesn't get as much attention, I think, in the innovation space. But if, if, you're, if you're like a lot of organizations and have that conflict avoidance pattern, right? then you're going to wonder why the change doesn't work, even though, you know, you intend to do it, but it sort of falls flat. And it's often because that capacity is weak. Wow. Managing conflict. Yeah. We all love doing that. You must have done really well at that job. Oh my goodness. Uh, so some of your other books have been about generational differences, right? Um, I'm a parent, so I like to think I know a little bit something about this as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So one of your books is titled When Millennials Take Over. Uh, there's a lot of media attention these days about generational dif- differences in the workplace and the challenges of managing teams with different priorities and work styles. So you speak to this quite a bit. Uh, can you share some thoughts on how leaders can blend generational styles to enhance their cultures? The book is about how leadership and management are changing in some big ways and the millennials are kind of shining a light on that because and we do talk about the millennials and what shaped them growing up and i've you know it 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 sort of amazes me that people kind of like you have those climate deniers we've got generation deniers i got people that say there's no such thing as generations we're all just individual humans and i'm like nope what happened around you when you were growing up had a huge impact on how you see the world like that's what the, the core of generational theory right and millennials grew up in a very different time than my generation gen x or the one before me baby boomers right like and the problem or the challenge with that is when it's that ingrained when it's the the world around you and how it impacts you it becomes a given right and so anyone who doesn't see the world the way you do it makes no sense to you and it 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 triggers my favorite like um red flag phrase how could they, right? How could they think that? How could they show up at work wearing flip-flops? That was what we used to say years ago at the millennial. You know, how could, like, how could they not just do that? whatever I tell them to do? You know, like the how could they question is a flag. You got to watch it when you say that and like flip your perspective and turn it into being curious. Like, oh, I wonder how they could come to that conclusion, right? Like, I wonder what's going on in their head there because it's obviously different than mine but i want to learn about that i want to see how they make sense of that um which is not so that it's ultimately like that 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 frame uh, that posture of curiosity right if you can adopt that in conversations whenever you get the how could they flag right whenever that goes off you think oh this is this could be generational maybe it's not it could be could be gender, it could be, you know, what part of the country you grew up in, whatever, like, there's a lot of things that could trigger that, how could they piece. 
Um, Generations is just one of them, but whenever it does, that's when you got to trick yourself into being curious. Because I'll tell you, the how could they question implies that someone else, that other person is doing something that doesn't make sense to them. And that's like a human truth. We only do things that make sense to us, right? So whatever, even if you don't understand how they could come to that conclusion, they did. And there was a logic to it. You just can't see it. Um, so it's, it's, that one is like, I mean, it maybe goes back a little bit to my conflict uh, uh, recommendation. You need a culture where people can, and this is really more about inclusion, but you need a culture where people can, can have that curiosity and not shut people down when they say things that you think are just patently ridiculous. Like, I don't know, maybe it is ridiculous, but be curious and talk about it first before you come to that conclusion. Yeah, so many times we're, we're, we're running to the front, front door to shout, shout to the kids, get off my front lawn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, so, and, and we take that uh, same situation to work in so many ways. Um, and of course, uh, we've been working a lot on our diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, and accessibility uh, at here at Visions or Reliance. We have a committee working on that. And boy, that, that can also uncover so many misperceptions. Um, it's an endless, endless yeah. work, but um, very interesting. I will also add that, and, and I'm not, I don't know, the, the conventional wisdom is against me on this one because a lot of people have been switching the conversation from millennials to Gen Z and claiming that Generation Z is the new generation in the workforce. They're different than millennials. They, they truly grew up digital, like the millennials still have memories of the non-digital world. And it's, a, it's not true. I mean, it is true they have that, but Gen Z is just second half millennials. The generation after the millennials is not gonna look like Gen Z and they're just starting to hit the workforce right now. So in the next like two to five years, get ready for the storm of the kids these days conversation and how this generation doesn't get it. Uh, and of course, so it's all going to be my generation saying this because we're because we're old now. So, um, but like, I, it's just going to come. I think it's it's on the cusp. I'm I'm calling this generation the survivor generation, and we will see if uh, what they look like in the next few years. But that's that's still to come. For sure, we as leaders have to be open to learning from uh, how everybody what everybody brings to the table, right? Yeah. Uh, and that can all contribute to the culture of innovation. So moving on, you developed, uh, you pioneered something called WorkXO, and this is a culture management platform that helps leaders measure their workplace culture. Wow, measure that, wow. And more intentionally optimize and manage the culture, their culture. So can you let our listeners know um, why a data-driven approach to organizational culture can be important? and how it helps leaders take advantage of core culture patterns. Yeah, I think the, uh, ultimately the reason why we created a culture assessment is because actually having just been in the world of organizations and the world of human resources for so long, we talk to a lot of leaders and they tell us what it's like to work at that organization. And then we talk to the employees and then it's not like that at all. You know, like nobody disconnect there's and, and we, we, we set out to say we need to create a tool that will tell people exactly what it's like, what it's truly like to work there. Um, and it's that what is piece that I think gets 
not enough attention in the in the culture conversation. So when we talk about culture, people are like, ah, well, yes, we need to create a good culture. Everyone agrees on that, right? So what do we do? Well, we create some core values and we define our ideal culture. And then we sort of move forward in trying to make that happen. It's almost impossible because you didn't do the first step of saying, where are you? What is your culture? Because I ask people that and they're like, uh, our culture is good. <laughs> you know, and they, they have these vague answers. And I'm like, no, you need to nail it. You need to be able to say, no, this is exactly what our culture is right now. And here's how we're trying to move, you know, change that. Because it's not quite what we need. This is where we are. And this is where we're heading, right? It's just the whole map thing. Like, you don't just say, here's how you get to New York. Depends on where you're starting, right? Like, so same with culture. This The, the assessment really, it breaks it down into eight areas, like, Innovation is one of them and, and collaboration and transparency and inclusion and, you know, the sort of standard stuff. Um, but we take those and break them down into to, to eight more sort of levels. Because uh, when you see that what makes up your culture's approach to collaboration, that's when you see the patterns, right? And it's the patterns that really define what it's like to work there, right? It's not like, oh, do you have a culture that values collaboration? Sure. Every culture values collaboration. You couldn't do it without collaborating unless you're one person, right? Um, but no, really, how do you do the collaboration? What are the patterns around that? Like what, like what pieces of collaboration get more attention in your culture than others? It's that kind of subtlety that lets you answer more effectively the, oh yeah, that's what it's like to work here. Like we, we do this, you know, I mean, I mentioned that actually in, in the question about innovation. We value innovation concepts, but not as much the practices. You know what I mean? Like that's a true statement for a lot of organizations. And so if you start from there and say, well, is that good? Is that bad? Then you can, you know, you got to answer that question. And then you say, oh, well, then we should do some, make some changes, right? And that's, that's when you start intentionally creating a culture, but it all starts with the what is piece. And that's, that's what we try to measure in the assessment. Wow, I love that. So it's not just, don't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk on. Exactly. You want to be innovative. Okay, well, what does that mean? What actions do you actually have to take so that you can actually be innovative, collaborative? You know, yep. you, you put the, the term in the box. I love that. Yep. That's going to be so useful um, for our leaders that are attending the CEO Summit. And down to the CEO Summit. So um, we're having you come and talk about creating a culture of innovation. Uh, can you give us a little sneak peek of uh, some of the exciting tools that you're going to talk about? Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to, we're going to cover some of the, the core concepts like, you know, to, cause I, I can't, I can't do any work on culture until I map out, okay, here's what culture is, <laughs> right? Here's a definition and not a, not a squishy one, a really clear one, you know, what are culture patterns? And we'll talk about specifically, innovation and, and sort of in a little more detail how they how the, the patterns show up in the data. But much of the time it's going to be actually a little bit of a crash course in culture change. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna have the participants map out some changes, some actually what I call culture plays for your playbook that will move the needle in culture. And it, you know It'll be a group and we'll be doing it quickly and 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 you know it's not it's not like a full assessment, but you'll get the 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 tools and the practice of, of doing what I just explained, which is like, hey, wait a minute, if this pattern is messing with our success, then we need to change the culture. 
And how do you do that? You change processes, you change structures, you use technology in new ways. It's pretty concrete. Um, and I'm going to have people actually brainstorm some real changes and share that with everybody. You know, again, it won't be specific to anyone's organization, but I think a lot of it can be applied and, and uh, you know, in different ways and different, in different organizations. So I'm going to try and leave on that sort of practical note of like, now you know how to do this, go back and, and, and do it more. I love that. And that's, that's exactly what our members are looking for when they come to our conferences is some, some tools that they can use when they get back home to their organizations. Um, and this, this piece about creating culture of innovation, I don't think that business schools really teach that exactly. So this is so important to, to have opportunities to share with each other, uh, to brainstorm with each other and learn from each other. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would add, I don't think, and I, I can't say this, like I have to do the grain of salt comment because I didn't go to business school, so I can't actually tell you what to do. But having looked at curriculum and having looked at what happens there, I think culture gets a short, you know, a piece of that of that education, and particularly the the nuts and bolts of 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 managing culture. You know what I mean? Like it's been driving me crazy for the last several years that people would never come to me and say, you know what, I am too busy right now. We're not going to do financial management this year. We're just going <laughs> to not check our bank account. We're too busy. We got, we got change. We got stuff going on. You know, we're trying to grow. So no finance this year. Um, but I'll have people say that about culture. They're like, I can't do culture this year. I'm too busy. I'm like, this is a business function like any other. Or and, DEIA. Right. And if you, you yeah. if you, you know, you can ignore it just like you can ignore finance. Like if you got enough revenue coming in, you don't have to check the bank accounts or, or reconcile anything. You could survive, uh, but you know it's dangerous and you know it's not how it's done. And I think I think we should be equally disciplined when it comes to culture work. And it's, you know, it's really not that hard to do. We just have to put one foot in front of the other. I know we're going to be sending out some more information to those who are attending. Um, are there any um, are there any things people can think about in advance? to prepare themselves for this work workshop that you're going to lead? Any questions they can ask themselves? Well, like, I mean, I, hmm. I, I would have everyone do that, even if it's just yourself, that initial conversation with yourself that says, what is it like to work here? And to put yourself in the shoes of all the employees. I know that's a hard thing to do, but don't just answer it from your position, particularly if you're the CEO. It's great to work there if you're the CEO, <laughs> pretty much always. Um, Maybe so have some conversations with different employees before they come. People and 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 just just even that open-ended question of what's it really like to work here? Now, if you're the CEO and you're going to ask people that, you may not get the 100% honest answer, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But if you really say, what's it like? What's, you know, what uh, another good question. The undercover boss, right? <laughs> I know. But ask what the roadblocks are. What, what, is, what are the things that get in the way of you being successful here? It's probably the number one question. If they say, you know what, I can't, you know, if every time, well, I'll just use an innovation example. Every time I try something new, it doesn't work. I get in trouble. You know, or, you know, silo issues like I can never get information from other people in other departments here. That's getting in the way of my success. Uh, I'm not even clear what our strategy is. That's getting in the way of my success. If you ask the getting in the way of success question, 
you ultimately start to identify some of those patterns. Um, mm -hmm. It's again, not a super methodical way to do it, but, but if you start into this conversation saying, ah, oh, there's some things in here that are, that are may just not quite aligned where, where we need them to be, um, then that'll put you in the right frame of mind to start looking for what to change, so. Love it. Oh, Jamie. A uh, great conversation. Thank you so much. I I feel like we we know a lot of really exciting things um, that we're going to get to think about as leaders attending the CEO summit. So uh, be well. I know it's just about a month and month a little more than a month away, but we're looking forward to to meeting you so much. So thank you for telling us more today. Yeah. No. Thanks for having me.